sorry, and he goes and he has a counterattack against him. And Absalom and his men flee into the woods. And it says here in 2 Samuel 14, 26, sorry, that's not there, um, 18, 10 to 15, that he goes in and he gets his hair caught in a tree and he's hanging between the sky and the ground. Now, I found that interesting that his hair got caught because in 2 Samuel 14, 26, it says this is about Absalom. When he pulled his hair, for it was at it was at the end of every year that he pulled it because his hair was heavy on him. And he weighed his hair, and his hair weighed 200 shekels, which is about six pounds. Now, who weighs their hair? <laughs> yeah. But there's some vanity here, right? If you're going to weigh your hair, there's some, some, some vanity going on. And if you realize that that vanity is also what was his downfall also. His hair got caught. And he's sitting in there and he's hanging and he's alive. And somebody goes back and tells who? Joab. Joab is who? Joab is the king's general. He goes back and tells him that your son is hanging in a tree. No, Absalom is hanging in a tree. And Joab gets three spears and puts them in his heart. Now you think there's some resentment going on there? Right? Because Joab is loyal to King David and has been. Okay? And here this little upstart decides to take over the throne. He, he's upset. Resentment. Because David specifically ordered that no one should hurt his son. And everyone heard that. And when Joab throws those spears in him, Ten other men come around him, and they actually kill Absalom. And now he's dead. And David mourns the death of his son. You see, this story has a tragic ending. We have some characters here, Tamar, Amnon, Absalom, David, and Joab, and some other people here. Absalom gets angry and harbors resentment. Resentment turns to bitterness, resulting in revenge in the murder of Amnon. But it didn't stop there. His resentment and anger continues to his father. His father didn't defend his sister. And because of other ambitions he has, he rebels against his father. That's a destructive path all because of unforgiveness. He couldn't forgive his father. He couldn't forgive his brother. There was nothing there to to make that a requirement. See, unforgiveness creates a hardened heart, and Absalom's heart was hardened. The hardened heart feels anger. It feels resentment and bitterness and hatred towards everyone that offended you. When we don't forgive, and we experience symptoms of sadness, depression, anxiety, and obsessive thinking. Unforgiveness creates an emotional storm of distress in which feelings of anxiety, insecurity, and fear surface. 
Unforgiveness affects your spirit and your soul, hindering your spiritual growth and fruitfulness. You may feel spiritually dry, stuck, stalled. Unforgiveness builds a wall between you and God, and fear replaces peace, and imprisonment replaces freedom because now you're an imprisonment to that fear, you're imprisonment to that anger that you have, that resentment that, that's there. And that's in families, it's at work, it's in other relationships, it's in countries. I mean, look at what's going on in Ukraine right now. Some of that is resentment and anger because of other things in the past. So we really have to, as we talk about anger, we really have to talk about forgiveness and what forgiveness is and how we forgive. Because if we don't have forgiveness towards others, we're on a dangerous slope. Because God has given us forgiveness to us. So let's look at forgiveness. And, and let's look at, I think, let's look at what it isn't before we look at what it is. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Why do I say that? That God does not suffer from amnesia. Right? When God forgave David because of his adultery with Bathsheba, he didn't forget the consequences. That's not, and he, and he made sure it was recorded in history. So that didn't go away. So it's not forgetting. Forgiveness is not an automatic restoration of trust. Trust has to be rebuilt. And that takes time to do that. Forgiveness is not an elimination of consequences. Because we forgive our kids, but we still have consequences. I love you, but you know what? This is a consequence of that. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Because here's the thing. Feelings of bitterness against a person may fade without any forgiveness being extended. Forgiveness is not selfish, is not molded by self-interest. We forgive out of love of God, of neighbors, and gratefulness for our own forgiveness. What is forgiveness then? God's forgiveness is a commitment by the one true God to pardon graciously to those who repent and believe that they are reconciled to him. That's God's forgiveness. Our forgiveness is a commitment to pardon gracefully, graciously. You have to have a heart to forgive. You have to acknowledge that the fact of evil did occur. You have to trust God to give the ability to overcome evil with good. You should not leave any room for bitterness, revenge, grudge, or retaliation. You have to trust God for justice. Because here's the thing. God created governments. Governments have the authority to impose justice, not us. I'm going to pause right here, and I'm going to have a special guest come up and share and talk about forgiveness. Because I think it's important that you hear another perspective that is mine. My wife, Donna, come on up, please. Yeah. Wife and I, we've been married for 18 years. We're now 19. No, 19. 19. We're 20. We're 19. <laughs> See? <laughs> And I, and, I, and I have my wife to keep me straight. Okay. 
and, we, <laughs> and we've been in the ministry together about 18 years. That's where that 18 comes from. We've walked together. We've seen many things. <laughs> and we can laugh together. Um, we, <laughs> we, we've been through many trials together. And she's been a blessing to me. Um, she's been a wonderful mom to our kids, and she mentors them and trains them. She's going to share a story with you, and I think you will find it very po- poignant to the story. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I love my hubby. Um, <laughs> Jerry asked me to share um, a little bit of, um, of my story, almost as an example of what I have come to call long forgiveness. And we all know what long COVID is, right? You get COVID and then those symptoms, they last and they last and they last. And you continually have to care and take care of yourself. Even though the initial event is over, it continues and it lasts. And there are events in some of our lives that happen to us that cause us to have to Um, Even though the event might be over, we still feel the reverberation of that event over and over again, and it lasts for a long time, sometimes for a lifetime. And when we talk about forgiveness, those types of instances are really difficult to deal with. And I have had one of those um, when I was in my 20s, early 20s, late, late teens, early 20s, at school, um, I went to uh, downtown with some friends of mine. We were just running around having some fun, and uh, we had a place where we would meet in case we all got separated. There was a particular building that was open after hours. And um, so I went to the bathroom, and of course, I got left behind. They all took off someplace else. And so I went to the building where we were supposed to meet, and um, we, I went up to the roof because that's we had a great view up there, and that's where we had agreed to meet. But it was October, it was cold. And so I decided to go meet in the lobby instead, that I would just catch him in the lobby. And on the way down, a man stepped into the elevator and put the emergency stop on the elevator and raped me there in the elevator. Left me on the floor, um, got out of the elevator, and I was devastated. Did not know what to do. Did not have, that was not in the cards. Nobody had prepared me for that particular thing happening in my life. I grew up in a Christian home where my, my parents, you know, they're involved in the church. And, you know, this was just not one of those things that they prepare you for, right? And so I left. I went home. I'm very good at putting things in a little box and putting them over here if they hurt too much. And that was what I did. I did my best to hide my bruises and sprains on the inside as well as on the outside. I explained them away and put it up here and hoped never to think about it ever again, which would have been the case to this day if I had not been pregnant as a result of that, of that rape. Um, that caused me to have to deal with what happened, um, and it still was not an easy thing at all. I went and tried to have an abortion twice, and long story, it didn't happen. The Lord spared me from that particular valley and had me walk through a different valley. I made an adoption plan for a sweet baby girl who was born, um, but there are, there are some things that the Lord taught me through that, through that time and afterward, because afterward was probably much harder almost than dealing with the initial event to begin with. I was numb for a long time and didn't deal with anything for a while. 
And when the numbness began to wear off, I was angry. I was so angry. I was angry at myself. I was angry at the power that men have to protect and to destroy. I was angry at God. I was angry. And I took that anger out on others. I took it out on myself. I, I would have dreams about um, redoing the whole thing and the things that I would do to this person. I would put myself in dangerous situations. Just try it one more time. One more, just try, one more time. Try it one more time and watch what I do to you. I mean, I was just angry. And I was miserable at the same time. Um, however, God was faithful through that time. I turned my back on him for a while. Uh, this God that I said that I followed, I had never been challenged. Who is this God actually who I say I believe in and who I follow, who would allow something like that to happen to somebody who hasn't done anything wrong? I haven't done anything wrong. So I had to come face to face with who that God really was. Um, that anger that I had uh, the Lord walked with me through the vengeance that I, the vengeance and the bitterness that was beginning to form in my heart. And he was faithful through friendships, through counseling, through um, the books, through many, many things the Holy Spirit used to be able to draw me back to who he was. And I just wanted to share with you a couple of things that he has been and continues to teach me because these kinds of things are kind of like... Um, a tree ring. Uh, for those, I don't, I don't remember the name, but there are people who study tree rings in the world. And so if you see a tree, you will notice, we all notice the rings that are there. And there are people who are skilled enough to be able to interpret those rings. And from those rings, they can tell, oh, there was a fire. And this year there was a drought. And then there were a couple of years of really great weather, lots and lots and lots of rain and nutrients. And then all of a sudden there was another drought. And they can just read the rings all the way out to the present. And we are just like that. We have rings. And those trauma that, the trauma that we go through, it creates a ring that stays there. It doesn't disappear. It just becomes a part, a part of us. And the Lord is so, is so faithful to be able to teach me some things as I continue to grow with that ring still within me. One of the things that he taught me is that he is with me. Another thing that he taught me is that he is for me. And the last thing that he taught me is that his ways will free me. Not just once, but continually. So the first thing um, that he is with me, that came from a time where Psalm 23 hit me like it had not ever hit me before. That section of Psalm 23 that says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. My rod and my staff will comfort you. That section of that chapter hit me so hard one day because suddenly I realized, you know, David's not trying to sell us a bill of goods. He's not trying to say that our lives are going to be perfect, that, we're going to, uh, that everything is going to be wonderful, that we're never going to have to face anything difficult. He's saying that we're going to walk through the meadows and have the streams and the peace, and we're going to walk through the valley, valleys, valleys, and valleys that are so close to the mountain of death that we are in its shadow. I heard a story once that, um, that a, a dad who had lost his wife and he was trying, they were on their way to the funeral and he was trying to explain to his little kids in the back, kind of just trying to give them some context for what had happened. And he said that they, they, they saw on the freeway, they could see you know, trucks coming towards them and they were going you know, on the other way and the sun was setting and so there was this big shadow of the truck. And so he asked his kids, what would be better? 
should we hit the shadow or should we hit the truck? They were like, duh, daddy, we should hit the shadow. I mean, obviously. And he said, yeah, that's right. Your mom has hit the shadow of that truck. But you know what? Jesus actually hit the truck for us so that we would never have to hit that truck. We can walk in the shadow of that valley and never be hit by the actual death that Jesus took for us. So even though I have had to walk through the shadow in that valley of death, and I'm telling you, our sin, we create valleys, and other people create valleys that we have to walk through sometimes. God is with us in the shadow of that valley. That's one thing that he's taught me. The second thing he's taught me is that vengeance is slavery. Forgiveness is power and freedom. I'm not going to get into it because we're out of time. But if you read in Esther, the fact that Esther was given the, the signet ring to be able to change the decree that was written about the Jews to, for their destruction, she was given, Mordecai was given a signet ring to be able to change that decree and to write another one over the top of that one. The Lord gave me. Forgiveness is that signet ring. It allows us to write another decree. We can't change things that happen. That's just not within our power. Thank you. But we can write. Forgiveness is a weapon. His weapons are not like ours. They're not like human weapons. His weapons are weapons that will free and they give us power. We can use that weapon to be able to bring ourselves back to him and back to that healthy healthy place. The third thing is that he is for me. That is the thing that he taught me. When we look at, when we turn to Christ, because being able to forgive, for me anyway, was not a one-time thing, is not a one-time thing. It's almost like an onion. It keeps peeling back and peeling back, and you keep revisiting it and revisiting it. But there are, there, when we turn to Christ during that time, he allows us to be able to see two things. One is that his justice hates those sins that are done against us. Hates it. He's for us. And I, too, have been forgiven. So in, those, in both those places, I can curl up underneath his wings, and I can get back to a place where I trust him to do what he is going to do, that I don't need to do all of that. I can let that go, and I can be free, and I can walk with power until the next time it comes up and i got to crawl back in again. So those are the three things that... The Lord has taught me through that time. And, and Jerry just wanted me to be able to share just a, an example of how forgiveness is absolutely powerful. It's not what the world would have us do. It is not what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to be destroyed by trying to take over what God has said is his. Vengeance is his. We can't take that over without destroying ourselves. So let's let it go and forgive. I love my wife. <laughs> so as we, as we draw this to a close, you can't do any of this without God. If there's anybody in here that does not know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, this is impossible to do. Yeah. So if everybody stand, please. Everybody please stand.
Just bow your heads, please. Is there anybody here that does not know Jesus Christ as Savior? Just put your hand up or make contact with me. And I will pray for you. If there's anybody here who is in the middle of something, like we talked about, an assault, or even serious harassment, let me know. On the other side, if there's somebody here and you are the perpetrator, you need to give it up to Christ also. All of these things. And there might be consequences. There should be consequences. But it needs to stop. Our lives belong to God. His son died for us. As Donna said, he put himself inside that truck. He got nailed to that cross. And when God sees us, he sees us through the filter of his son. He doesn't see that sin that we have, that we've had, if we've given our life over to him. Because he has offered the ultimate forgiveness of taking that and moving it as far as east is from the west away from us. That is who we serve. That's the God that we serve. Yeah. And his mercies endureth forever. So if you are in any of those places, as I pray, I want you to pray along and give it over to the Lord and ask him to, to show you what the next step is. So your next step is not like what Amnon's was or, Ta or Absalom was or even David or Joab's or any of those. Let us pray in closing. Dear Lord in heaven, we come to you, Father, humbly because you've given your life for us. You've given your son for us. That sacrifice, Father, that you allowed him to endure is so that, Lord, we could come to you sinless and blameless. And we thank you, Father, for your grace and blessing. Thank you for sending us worthy. And in this life, Father, as we struggle with all the things in this life that we see that cause us anger, that could lead to bitterness and resentment and maybe even revenge, Father. I pray, Father, you put a hedge of protection around us from the enemy who would like to see us, Father, be destroyed and to fall away from you or even never come to you. Lord, for those in this audience, Father, in this room that have issues that they need to share, Lord, give them the boldness of addressing it with somebody else, Father. And allow us, Lord, whoever they talk to, Father, to have that grace to walk with them. We might not have the solution, but we can walk them through the process. We give it all to you, Father. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to help us as we leave here and as we drive home, to drive home differently than we came in. Lord, to realize when anger puts everybody around us as our enemy. Sometimes anger makes our spouse our enemy. But, Lord, you told us to love our enemies, so that doesn't even work. So help us, Lord, to love our spouses, to love our children, to love our parents, Lord, to not have any resentment between, between us, Father, that would get in the way of our relationship with you. Lord, help us, Lord, to let our light so shine that you get the glory. We give these things to you. We thank you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us and redeemed us to you. In his name, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you all. If you need to talk to me, come on up, please.